Thanks for listening to this Word in Your Ear podcast. If you'd like to get early access to all our productions ad-free, priority booking for our live events, and to take part in our weekly quiz, go to patreon.com slash wordinyourear for more details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. You're listening to a podcast from The Word. Can I go first with my go on, go on, game? Go on. Game. It's just yep. a very quick, quick one. Uh, you're familiar with the work of, uh, of anti-vaxxing, uh, kind of <laughs> bad-tempered it's Northern end, Irish. End the sentence, sentence ending with Ian Brown, I imagine. But go on, anyway. Oh, yeah. no, so it's going to end, end with the word Van Morrison. Van Morrison. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're familiar with Van Morrison. And you're presumably also familiar with the with the work of uh, the Daily Mail's uh, regular angry middle aged man Richard Littlejohn. Yes, okay, yeah. so okay, these are titles from Van Morrison. Are these titles from Van Morrison's upcoming album, which has the catchy title "Latest Record Project"? I've got genuine <laughs> titles out. Or are they headlines from Richard? Richard Littlejohn uh, uh, columns uh, of recent brilliant. Of recent oh, that's ironic. Uh, go on. Here you go. Okay. Uh, right. Uh, why are you on Facebook? Is that a Richard Littlejohn column, or is that a song by Van Morrison? Well, What's Richard Littlejohn would have to be au fait with Facebook to do the work he does to some extent. So it can only be. The uh, the you know r- routinely analog Van Morrison digging his heels in. Am I right? Van Morrison has a song on his new record, latest record project called "Why Are You on Facebook?" <laughs> Can you believe? <laughs> okay, least sexy we- title imaginable. <laughs> Here we go. A rush to hear that. Are you? That's brilliant. Go on. Uh, next one. Old locked down town of Bethlehem. Is that a Richard Little John column? Or is that a song by Van Morrison? These are terribly good. That's fantastically good. Um, too spiritual for Van for some reason. Is it? I don't know. It's, I think it's Little John again. Is it? Little it John? is Richard Little John. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Richard Little John. Okay. No jab, no job. Is that a column by Richard Little John? Or is that a song? A song from Van Morrison's latest record project. What do you think, Alex? No jab, no job. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to answer this because I very nearly did one based around Van's album as well this week. So I'm oh, gonna... right. oh, oh, good God. <laughs> God. All right, it's over to you, Mark. No jab, but, no job. Well, I assume it's Little John, but this is reminding me slightly. Do you remember the contractual album that Van put out? Uh, when yeah, he was it does. To off? I mean, it's just Van the same Records. Thing. And with those terrible thing. titles, you know, just meant to sound as, uh, as uh, yeah. unlovable as possible. So Fantastic it is Richard... Bob. That is a Richard Littlejohn yeah. um, uh, uh, column. Okay, stop bitching, do something. Is that a Richard Littlejohn column, or is that Van Morrison? Stop bitching, do something. <laughs> I'm going to go for Van. I've got. I literally. I it, is, it is. It's Van. <laughs> it's stop bitching, do something. And what is Van doing that's uh, that's advancing oh, his, his problems? Yeah, Van, <laughs> 
Yes, I'm absolutely. Sort of grumbling in his back but room. Van is turning back the tide of the pandemic. I know, I know. Single-handedly. Incredible. incredible. Um, all right, I'm just going to give you two more. Go on. Uh, this is great. Swamp. Swampy's sticking up, uh, sorry, Swampy's kicking up a stink again. Is that Richard Littlejohn or is that Van Morrison? That's too too topical for Van. Van would not be sufficiently au fait with current affairs to know who Swampy was. It has to be Littlejohn. You're right, it's Richard Littlejohn. You're you're absolutely right. How about they own the media? They own the media. That's that's clearly Van Morrison because everything's a big conspiracy. It is. It's a big conspiracy for him, isn't it? That's that's brilliant. That's so inspiring. I missed out. out. The the other Van Morrison ones I I got here were the long con, big lie. Stop stop bitching, dude. And where have all the rebels gone? That's good. Every one of them guaranteed to break the ice at parties. Absolutely. (laughs) Get the dancing started. Oh my God, that's amazing! Well, look, I've got so one. It's a big niche. You're always going to do it, Alex. Where you? You looked at the same list as I did, Alex. I you very, nearly... very, very nearly did it. So <laughs> it, w- it wouldn't right. have been anywhere near as good as yours, though. So, oh, that's um, very good. Yeah, oh, Alex, do you want to go next? Have you got one? Yeah, go. I do. Okay. Go um, this is aimed primarily at Dave because I know how you feel about the popular beat combo Oasis, Dave. All right. Um, All right. So I thought I'd um, I'd do one. Uh, this is Oasis song or children's book title from 2020. Oh, okay. Right, okay, okay. Okay. Uh, Sunday Rain. Sunday, Sunday rain. rain. Is that Oasis or a children's book title? That, it's no. Oasis. Must be Oasis. No, it's not. It's a book by Rosie J. Pover, and <laughs> apparently it's, it's a lovely tale about having the courage to leap into the unknown to make new friends. Oh, okay. well, we've been okay. sadly fished in already. Go on. All right, absolutely. Go on. Okay, let's all make believe. Let's all make believe. Surely that's a children's book. That's Noly G. It's, uh, <laughs> it's a B-side to Go Let It Out from 2000, which uh, was uh, Q Magazine's best lost tracks, apparently. All right, okay. Okay, you're good. A quick peep. Quick peep. A quick peep. Is that Manchester's finest children's, children's book? It's children's book. Alan Oldberg, Janet Oldberg. Yes, from, yeah, it does, it? yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's go on. Actually, an instrumental by Andy Bell, formerly of Ride, uh, <laughs> in 2002, which is featured on their album Heathen Chemistry. A quick oh, pee, Lord. What a catchy title. Go on. The Kid Who Came From Space. The Kid Who Came From Space. It's got to be children's book. It, uh, Oasis book. would not possibly have tackled the idea of Science fiction, would they? Isn't that just one remove for them? You're right. It's a, it's a book by okay. Ross Welford, which features a mysterious disappearance, formidable chickens, and a spaceship called Philip. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Uh, outside, outside in. Outside in. That's Oasis. It's not. It's a book by Deborah Underwood, uh, which is a comforting oh. reminder that outside will be there for us when we're ready. I'm here outside. Oh. I miss you. Oh, very nice. Oh, well, you be- you defeated me there. Sam. Completely. Very well identified. That's good. Well, look, so I've, got you got if- I've got a quick one. It's it's quite niche. It's quite niche, but um, have a crack. Now, some of the admirers of the Bonzo Dog Doodah Band, a noble gang, which I know Dave includes yourself, have have long noted that early members often had those magnificent stage names that had echoes of the great. British wrestling boom of the 1950s and 1960s, right? The era of giant haystacks oh, and big mamas. Terrible slapstick, cheesy showbiz names with a touch of menace and music hall, all right? So <laughs> dare you play satirical jazz band board treader or minor star from the golden age of grappling, okay? <laughs> or, or let me boil it down even further, Bonzo or Bruiser, all right? First one, Borneo Fred Munt. Was that a member of the Bonzos, or is that a man you'd find in the ring? <laughs> Borneo Fred Munt. They're nice, aren't they? Bonzo. Bonzo. He's a Bonzo. He's a Bonzo. Yeah. He's a freewheeling jazzer recruited in 64 and immortalised in the intro to the as the wild man and Borneo. All right. Sydney Big Sid Nichols. Bonzo or Bruiser? <laughs> Bruiser. No, no, he's another Bonzo. Indefatigably diverting banjo strummer and dodger of onstage cherry bombs in the classic 1965 lineup. There we are. Bulldog Johnson. 
Oh, God. Um, a grappler. Wrestling. He was a grappler. He was a brutal British type-briefed grappler from the era of Skull Murphy and Cat Weasel. Do you I remember that, that era? I just I could just totally remember. Oh, God, it's so yeah. funny. The wrestling Saturday, was on the telly. Saturday afternoon between four and five. Yeah, yeah. the football results. My dad used to love it. Yeah, it's hilarious. The days of Jackie Palo, Mick McManus. And ideally, somebody would be thrown out of the ring and would land in the lap of a matronly lady wearing right. a hat. It was <laughs> it like Hattie Jake. Invariably <laughs> yeah. in the front row. <laughs> Uh, uh, we're uh, uh, commentated on by the great Kent Walton and usually right. taking place, usually being brought to you from a municipal baths somewhere in the Midlands or the North. That's right. Anyway. Oh, God, no. Very good. Such fun moves. Bronco Wells. Is that a Bonzo or a Bruiser? Bronco That's Wells. A bru That's a Bruiser. Yeah, tank-like Portsmouth pain inflicted from the 1960s. The man you love to hate, <laughs> Rhino Slater. Rhino Slater. <laughs> That's got to be the Bonzo. Yeah, it is. Uh, of course, it is the the full name. Rodney Rhino Desborough Slater was sax playing, oh, right, kick, speech bubble toting member of the classic lineup. There for all the uh, reunions. <laughs> classic Johnny Saint. Oh, uh, Bonzo. He was a grappler. Grappler from Openshaw. He had the escapology, athleticism, the skill, <laughs> and sheer brilliance to succeed George Kidd as the world lightweight champion. From Openshaw. Openshaw. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Count Bartelli. Such a wrestler. He was, he was. Jeffrey Count Bartelli. Fearsome, unforgiving, Cheshire-based bone crusher. Famed Cheshire for wearing a mask. Yeah, Count know. Bartelli. Comes from you Cheshire. You can see him, God. That's, that's all you need to know. I know, I know. You can oh, see him. God. I know. God, it takes Come me more. back. Anthony Bubbs White. Oh, uh, Bonzo. Bonzo. Yeah, he was. He was a trouser-filling 22-stone operative of the Brainbiter guitar, <laughs> famed for his berserk solos. He later joined Vivian Stanchel's Big Grunt. He was, in fact, built for comfort, as, uh, not for speed. As Woodhouse would have said, he would have got his money's worth from an I-speak-your-weight machine. <laughs> All right, one more. Claude Abbo. Claude Abbo. A wrestler or a bonzo? Claude. Wrestler. Wrestler. No, no, he was wrestler. a sax-playing bonzo. Booted up oh. in 1962. Actually, I'm going to add it just randomly. I'm going to throw in one more here from my from my little bit of research here. So, is this a wrestler? Remember the bonzo, Sir Edward Atoll Oakley, the seventh baronet of Shrewsbury. Wrestler. Yeah, he was a genuine <laughs> toff. Educated. Well, it really was. Was yeah, it? Yeah, was. A, oh a, well. A, a, from the 1930s wrestler, educated at Clifton College in Sandhurst. He famously drank 11 pints of milk a day to increase his muscle mass. It's just yeah. such a bizarre one. Still make a good movie, I think. Don't you think? The world, it probably has done being done. But I mean, Do you remember the, the days of drinking 11 pints of milk a day was considered the acme of health? Uh, yeah, now <laughs> they'd expect you to have a heart attack by Tuesday. <laughs> oh, Christ almighty. Can I, can I change the subject? I want to move this on to... Something that's been concerning me in the last few days. Now, I know, and those of you who are watching this as well as listening yeah. will be aware that we are not, in our current states, one, ones to uh, point the finger at anybody when it comes to matters of grooming and personal appearance. <laughs> Particularly me. I'm going we for all... the backwoodsman look, the, 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 the log chopper in Portland. <laughs> well, or my mother would have sort of looked at us and said, "You look like the wild man of Borneo," you know. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Let yourself go. Yeah, <laughs> let yourself go. But it, it struck me that there's a worrying uh, reemergence recently uh, of of the ponytail uh, on on the uh, on the on the tonsure of men who would normally not be seen dead with that kind of thing. Because they've they've obviously not been able to go and have the haircut for ages, and that whisper it. My next door neighbour's sporting one at the moment, which I no. never thought I'd see the day. Ooh, yeah, no. and uh, and I thought Matthew Wright, the TV presenter, had one. I was saw saw it the other day. I thought this is absolutely extraordinary. Oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> and I've had long hair in my time, but I've never had I've never had a ponytail and. Uh, so I tweeted about this last night um, because I thought we could reflect on uh, on successful or otherwise versions of the rock. Well, there haven't been very many successful ones, have there? 
Well, I, I remember trying doesn't... one once for about 10 minutes in college. One of the people I lived with said, wow, that looks good. You look, it's like Jane Eyre. <laughs> I thought, Christ, this see, isn't I, working. I don't think long hair ever looks better scraped back. The Croydon facelift is not a, it's not a sensible option for any human being, <laughs> I, I don't feel. I can't think of one single example. No, I disagree. Bob Weir is a great one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is only oh. one. Bob okay. Weir, very early on, decided to <laughs> go for the ponytail. And it worked brilliantly. And he somehow looked even hipper than the rest. And he used to just very subtly remind you that it was a ponytail by, by always having about two foot of kind of loose fringe hanging over his microphone just to remind you that he hadn't gone short back and sides. But it really suited him. And when actually when he cut his hair and got rid of it, he looked really conventional in the mid-70s. He looked terribly disappointed. He looked like the kind of college jock athletic bloke in a pair of shorts, you know. But Bob Weir, it really Bob, worked for. Bob Weir, no, I agree with you, because oh, I think man, Bob Weir had two two things going for him, Bob Weir. One, very handsome man. Yeah. Does no harm at all. So Doesn't whatever he was harm. whatever he was gonna, you know, wear, it was gonna look fine. Made up and for the two, rest of the dead. Two really important points. He had loads of hair. Yeah. And still has. I think pony, pony still has you can get away with mane. it if you got lots to put in it. Whereas these the, the examples that people have sent to me um, remind us of how how people attempted to have ponytails with very little hair, and uh, so Hank McCartney was was pointing out Billy Ray Cyrus had oh, a particularly God, yeah. bad uh, ponytail, and Ian Nash that reminds me that during the Ghost of Tom Joad tour, whenever that was, Bruce Springsteen had a ponytail, and he was. He never had long enough hair. God, to just he must write. still wake in the night, bathed in sweat, remembering that. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, Hank McCartney also uh, mentioned Howard Jones had a ponytail. He did, he did. But you know, that wasn't a ponytail. It, that was a kind of little bit at the back. It wasn't a collection of everything at the front that was long enough to go in a you know in, a, in an elastic band. It was a little tiny thing sticking out at the back, wasn't it? A bit like Michael Jackson used to do. Michael Jackson had all sorts of bizarre oh, arrangements yes. which uh, which involved ponytails. But uh, that's not that's quite the same thing. Yeah, actually, and somebody did, else. Did Prince on. not have a ponytail? Absolutely. Somebody has somebody has suggested that. Yeah, Neil Christie has suggested that. He says it's successful. I'm not so sure. But anyway, Fraser Elgin says we really should have asked our recent guest, Midge Yore. Because of course, he Midge did. had a ponytail for quite a while. I'd forgotten until somebody reminded me that George Harrison. Had one round about the time. Of well, no, it was the ponytail a top yeah. knot, wasn't it? <clears throat> top knot, which oh, looked it? really bizarre. Yeah, it looked absolutely extraordinary. He looked like a kind of um, a pot plant, didn't he? Pot plant, not successful. Uh, the, the, oh. Sorry, I've got to cut him with another. I just remember Frank Zappa had a ponytail, which suited him really good. It was very much part of that kind of aesthetic of of man up at two o'clock in the morning drinking black coffee, not taking drugs, not drinking, writing handwriting sheet music for his horn arrangements. You know, there was something very kind of uh, very kind of uh, sort of dedicated about that. You know, but also on the on the cover of We're Only in It for the Money, I think he's got I think he's got bunches. Do you remember that day? I'm pretty sure he has the mothers just to mothers to 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 emphasize to italicize what a hideously ungood looking bunch they were. Although Frank Zappa, very striking looking, yeah, he was striking, he was actually kind of handsome in an odd way, yeah, yeah, that's true, you know, very imposing. Yeah, but also, same thing, had lots of hair, lots of hair. We've missed Mick Fleetfoot. Oh my yes, god. Yes, he had one, didn't he? God almighty. Well, yes. I think he still does, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. Actually, weird. I I I feel like it's kind of acceptable on Mick Fleetwood's head, and I don't know why. Yeah. Rykuda? Rykuda briefly. Oh god, yes, yes, yes. He did. Yeah, the other one was the in Craig Marsh, who you and I were talking about the other day, David. Oh, Craig Marsh has one on the cover of Pavement and um Penthouse, Penthouse and Pavement. But I don't think that's a rock and roll fashion statement. I think that's him. Affecting the look of a kind of yuppie, as it would have been then, businessman uh, in the in the early eighties. It's kind of it's see, not it, it? it's it's close in my, my memory to um, Miami Vice, whereas yes. whenever you got a character yeah. wearing a suit with a shirt and an open neck an open neck shirt and sporting a ponytail, this was a person not to be trusted. 
This was, you know. Oh God, Francis was... Rossi. Sorry, I'm getting flashbacks. Now, Francis Rossi, who looked like a, like what, like a sort of Las Vegas croupier, yeah. or kind of uh, a kind of middling member of the Italian fashion trade, didn't he? Didn't he have a kind of swept back ponytail for a long time? Is there a character in The Sopranos who has a ponytail? I think the the guy who comes from Sicily, really be. threatening looking guy. Yeah. He has a ponytail. No, no good can come of it. No, that's my view. Anyway. You've never been tempted to have one, Alex. Uh, <clears throat> I've I've been uh, given temporary ones by members of the fairer sex, uh, and it's never worked out well uh, for my head. Uh, <laughs> I just I haven't got the shape of face to be able to sustain that kind of that craziness. Um, do, do you but, mean to say you've had you had girlfriends or sisters or whatever who have occasionally said, "Oh, let me do your hair." Yeah, have, yeah, I've had that, and I've just sat there and I've took it. <laughs> Like an idiot. You must, my God, it's a plot. Have had that, what have Mark? you done? Mark, <laughs> I don't know if I have. I grew up with sisters, the oldest. I did have three sisters. No, that's true. Three elder sisters was quite a bit of experiment on the, on, on my my hair in the early days. You're absolutely right. <laughs> braids. I'm not sure if I didn't have braids. Willie Nelson, of course, braids. Yes. That's good, isn't it? That's good. It gets away with it totally. Gets away with it because he's Willie Nelson he's and he Willie looks Nelson. fantastic. I know, he's I got know. a face that looks as if it ought to be on Mount Rushmore. So anything yeah. you do with his hair is yeah. just absolutely fine. You know, he's never going to look embarrassed, is he? Yeah. I would Whereas, suggest that it's it's the transition to the ponytail that might be the unsettling thing. Because thinking about Francis Rossi, actually, when I became aware of status quo, Francis Rossi was in his ponytail phase, and whenever I think of him now. That's just part of his head. When I look at photos of young Francis with his with his flowing locks, yeah, yeah. it just seems a bit wrong to me. I, I think it might be the, the startling effect of transitioning to the ponytail rather than the ponytail itself. That's always <laughs> that's always been my feeling feeling about the wig, the syrup, the <laughs> syrup. <laughs> <laughs> you must have heard that before. The, the syrup. This has always got to be day one, hasn't it? You've always got, there's got to be a day one where somebody turns up at the pub suddenly with Hi, hair. guys. <laughs> and they've got ten times more hair than they had yesterday. How does that like, happen? Does <laughs> anybody say anything about it? I know. It, you know? Yeah. Oh, uh, well. So, um, if anybody's got any suggestions, if anybody we've missed, what's the email address, Alex? It is wiye.london at gmail.com. The Word Podcast. Prime cuts of popular culture served fresh each week. We're back. So this week has seen the passing of Chris Barber at the age of, what, 90? Was he 90. 90. 90. What a significant guy, Chris Barber. Don't you think? I mean, there were two... They used, they used to say about Alexis Corner, who I believe comes into this story, they used to say about Alexis Corner that he ought to be carried around in a sedan chair for the rest of his life on the basis of what he did for music. Well, Precisely. if that was the case with Alex Alexis Corner, it was even more the case Precisely. with Barber, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, I think he's saying... God, I wish I'd met him. I was so fascinated. Very educated, um, very middle-class, kind of Humphrey Littleton-type person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, a kind of theorist and academic. You got the feeling that what he was doing was for the advance of jazz and for music, and it was a pursuit of Dixieland and ragtime and swing and blues and R&B and not for any particular commercial gain. It was about the evolution of music, you know. And just one tiny little story before we get to the two main things that he, that he achieved was that uh, the story of him and, and Ken Collier. Ken Collier was, you know, as you remember, a well-known trumpet player. Nobody at that stage, the American bands weren't coming over for various reasons to tour. All you could get was the occasional import. There was no information about the kind of jazz going on in New Orleans. Ken Collier joined the, <laughs> the Royal Navy in Merchant Navy, Merchant Navy, Merchant Navy, and then and then jumped ship, jumped ship, and and got as far as New Orleans, where he was there for quite a long time. Met up with all these heroes. He joined the George Lewis Band, his great heroes, as a trumpet player. Eventually detained, deported, sent home. Incredible interview in Melody Maker, so painting him out, painting him to be as some kind of a, like a returning astronaut, you know, a man who'd been yeah. to the moon. He'd actually been and physically met these people whose music was worshipped by all these bands in Britain, you know. And uh, at which point, Chris Barber invited him to join his band and allowed them to change the name to the Ken Collier Jasmine. Yes. Again, an incredible example of complete selflessness because this guy was so 
key to the 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 the, you yeah. know, the, the holy grail of jazz. But anyway, you no, know, the two things were obviously under the name of the Ken College Jazz Band, they could then get those residences in London where they realised that the wind instrument players, you know, just simply cannot sustain constant sets for hours on end because the the, the 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 lip goes. So they had those little sections in the middle where the three of them is Chris Barber playing string bass and uh, Lonnie Donegan. Uh, singing and playing guitar and a washboard player would do their little skiffle sets. Yeah. And it was those skiffle sets that proved more popular in the end than the jazz. They recorded a version of Rock Island Line. That was a hit. It started the whole skiffle boom. I mean, it still seems absolutely incredible to me. So everybody, so, you know, Ronnie Wood, Paul McCartney, John Lennon, Jagger, Martin Carthage, John Renborn, Ashley Hutchins, Roger Daltrey, Jimmy Page. I mean, just every Richie Blackmore, you know, Van Morrison, absolutely everybody got into a band and formed a skiffle group. So that's the yeah. first thing he did, is encourage these people to form bands. And then the second thing was that he funded and arranged all these tours to bring over blues musicians to play. Yeah. So he brought over uh, Sister Rosetta Tharp, and big, big Bill Brunsey, Sonny Terry, Brandon McGee, Muddy Waters, all sorts of people in the late 50s and the early 60s, which all those musicians subsequently store, saw, people like the Stones. So not only did he encourage people to form yeah. bands, but he then directed them towards blues and R&B, out of which they developed, you know, I suppose you could say beat music and eventually rock music. And probably, right. I, I mean, I, you think of that now, that is absolutely unbelievable. Don't yeah, you think? Yeah. It's so oh, they, significant. I, I, when I was first getting into music, as I was about 10 or 11, trad jazz was the big thing in Britain. You know? It was. It was Ackerbilk, Kenny Ball, Chris yeah, Barber, Monty Sunshine, and all these all these people. So he was always very very famous, but he was always, uh, you know, he ne he never sported the Ackerbilk bowler, or you know, no, no, he, no. he was never quite showbiz. He like wasn't showbiz at all. Always, no, no, he was always very genial. Now I saw him actually. Um, I think it must have been two thousand and seven. Yeah, and. Uh, and Nick, Nick, Nick Lowe uh, put out a record called At My Age. Yeah. Nick Lowe, big, big uh, fan of, uh, of Chris Barber. And he got Chris Barber to, to play on, on one tune, um, The Other Side of the Coin. And he did a show at uh, St. Luke's in um, Old Street for the BBC, I think it must have been. So it's probably on YouTube or on the BBC iPlayer or whatever. Um, with a small band, and Chris Barber was uh, was there in the back line, so it's, it's very very nice to see him. So, heck of an innings! Oh, go what an innings! I discovered an amazing uh, recording of Cat Call, which is an old Paul McCartney song that the Beatles used to do. It was a kind of instrumental band in about 1961, recorded in uh, with you know with, with McCartney there and stuff in 1967, which is phenomenal. Really worth hearing. It's on YouTube. But I, that whole era I find fascinating. Also, I find, yeah. find Rock Island Line being a hit is so fascinating because it's yeah. about a world that nobody had any comprehension of. It's about yeah. freight trains. It's about toll gates. You know, it's because about the, the, guy book and, that, you know. the book that sums up all this, <laughs> you know, for anybody who hasn't read it already, is Billy Bragg's excellent, fabulous uh, book about skiffle. What's it called? Rock, rock roots and skiffle, Ro something like that. Roots, radicals, Re and, rebels, yeah, roots, uh, root, something like that. Yeah, yeah. It's Billy Bragg's book about skiffle, and yeah. uh, who Billy who was a guest of ours on. Uh, well, it came to the Islington uh, a few yeah. years ago to talk Fantastic. about that. It's a terrific. Look, if anybody wants to Brilliant. get a window on that but the other person world, we, ought to talk, just, we ought to mention Bunny Whaler too. I think that's Bunny a story. Whaler. Because I, I don't know if you, or maybe you do, but I'm never quite sure how Bunny Whaler felt about the way it all worked out. Because the Bunny Whaler story, he started, he met Bob Marley at school when he was about six. They were both uh, children of single parent families. And eventually um, Bunny Whaler's father had a daughter with Bob Marley's mum. So they had a sister. I mean, this is very, very Jamaican in the same way that Peter yeah. Tosh had a son with Bunny Whaler's sister. I mean, it all gets very complicated. But anyway, they were huge mates. And then, uh, then this one, I've read so much about that particular period of the Whaley Whalers. Now he and, 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 and Marley and Peter Tosh used to go off into graveyards at night. They'd break into graveyards and to, to try and freak themselves out with the with the with the duppy spirits and and practice singing their harmonies you know and then they had some hits as the wailing whalers simmer down you know the cox and dodd production yeah, yeah. and then there's that period that nobody ever really mentions when Molly actually gave up didn't he he went to delaware he went yes. his mum moved to delaware he moved to delaware and then got a job in a factory 
And, you know, Bunny and Peter Tosh kept going and put out records of that. And when he came back, they reformed. Then they signed to Ireland with Chris Blackwell, Catch a Fire. And then there's two things seemed to happen, which is that Bunny and Peter Tosh said they were leaving. And they said, suppose they were leaving because playing in various clubs didn't somehow agree with their Rastafarian principles or whatever. But the other thing was that Blackwell wanted to market the group, didn't he, as a kind of rock band, really. Quite yeah, rightly, yeah. just big heavy rhythm section with electric guitar solos. Yeah. And that kind of put those guys onto the back burner. So whether or not they felt they were being eased out and left or whether or not they really wanted to go and he then took advantage of it, I don't really know. So you can't tell whether he was... He, I mean, Buddy Whaler went on to make some good records afterwards. You know, he made, um, you know, carried on recording and, um, you know, and, 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 and had some success, but very much, very much kind of... Um, you know, up in, like up in the woods eyes. smoking the herb, wasn't it? Yeah, and it's like Marley, Marley was the kind of global evangelist for reggae and for Rastafari. And Tosh was the kind of militant conscience. And Bunny was the kind of spiritual ambassador. And actually, Marley took over all three of those things really successfully. Yeah. Marley then became the militant conscience as well. <laughs> Get up, stand up. You yeah. know, didn't he? Manly and Siega at the One Love concert. Yeah. And he yeah. became the spiritual ambassador. You know, natural mystic and the... The religious side of it and the herbs. So he took over all three things brilliantly. And um, I can still remember an interview where in the NME where, where they changed the name of the group to Bob Marley and the Whalers. He was driving a BMW. I mean, he was being accused of suddenly yeah. getting huge amounts of record company advice. He said, it was BMW, Bob Marley and the Whalers. That was his excuse. Yeah. But anyway, no, I mean, you don't but know. He, was a, he used to also say Black Man's Wheels, didn't he? Black Man's uh, Wheels. Black Man's Wheels, that's other, it. They, but you don't know because... whether whether Bunny, did he die, uh, you know, aggrieved and resentful and bitter? And, I don't really have no idea. Absolutely no idea. Well, all musicians are aggrieved, bitter and resentful, aren't they, Alex? Isn't that true? <laughs> it, yeah. it's pretty, pretty much everyone that I've met. Is that Hi, true? Uh, highly strung. <laughs> hey, very Is good. there an example of a musician who, uh, who, who, who doesn't feel that they could have got more success and credibility than they've already got. No matter how much they've got. Johnny Marr. I always think, Johnny Marr, do you oh, think so? I'd argue, yeah, he okay. seems he seems like a- absolutely at peace with everything, to me, at least. Right. Um, he, he seems to me like the kind, the, like a person who's who's achieved everything they could possibly want to achieve, is, is, is in it <coughs> absolutely for the art, Yeah. completely happy with their journey, hasn't messed up once, you know? Um, yeah, never put a foot wrong, that's true. He's kind of had the perfect career trajectory, you know, and he, he seems like he's completely happy with everything and he, and he accepts everything as well. You know, he's, he's not, um, he doesn't seem bitter about Morrissey or the Smiths uh, or the way that ended and the relationships kind of yeah. went, you know, I, I think they're, 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 they do exist out there. I well, think. now's I a so. good, now's a good time to, so. now's a good time to introduce the person who we always say is the, um, is is the is the person who won rock and roll if it was a contest, who is Robert Fripp, of course, because you know Robert Fripp's done what Robert Fripp wanted to do since he was in his twenties and continues to do it very very successfully to this day. And furthermore, it's only this week that it was brought to my attention oh, that right, Robert yeah. Fripp will also do you a birthday greeting if you want one and you're disposed to pay whatever it costs. To 80 quid. It. It's 80 quid. I thought that was a genius that idea. Is? It's 80 quid. Because I thought it was a genius idea because before, presumably, if you wanted to get someone, you'd have to go through the press person to get hold of the management to say, as oh, a terrific favour for my husband, Steve, it's his 60th birthday, he's bought every one of your records. Could you? Yeah. And therefore, the person who does it is, is doing it. I mean, I don't know about grudging, but it's certainly a favour. But if you say, I tell you what, 80 quid, you know, and Robert Fripp, of course, does it with no cynicism. He's so upbeat, yeah, he's sincere, right, yeah. so sweet. There's a lovely bit where the guy does this recording. I've seen one of them, and the guy says, uh, "Could you play this particular lick for me on, uh, you know, on, 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 on your guitar?" So, so I can't actually play it on the guitar. I'm like, I'll show you the guitar that I recorded it on. You know, so right. it's that idea that you could get Robert Fripp to record you. He could probably end domestic disputes. You could probably get Robert Fripp to, to record an encouraging message about how you ought to do more hoovering or shopping or help with the cleaning around the house. Yes. You know? <laughs> and if Robert Fripp put... says it's a good idea, then I might yeah. do it, you know. You rise a rise uncle, put the bins out. It's put Monday bins out. night, it's bins time. It's, it's yeah, right, exactly. Recycle tomorrow. 
Is he doing that through his own platform, or is he? No, is there... I think he's he's doing it through one of these organisations that uh, I'm trying to find it. Because um, there's a there's a platform called Cameo. Um, it, that... It's one of those kind of things. Yeah, where, David where, Hasselhoff where you... is doing it, and you know, uh, yeah, it seems like it's it quite. Made a me wonder. It made me wonder if people are still doing those. Still doing this. Do you remember there was a time when and Ian McNabb of the Ice School Works was the first person I heard of, of doing this, and you could get him to go around to your house. I think. I think. Um, I think Glenn from from uh, from Squeeze was doing it too. If it's your birthday or something, he would go round to your house and put on a special show in your living room with the ten songs you most wanted to hear, and uh, which sounded absolutely fantastic. So a curtain would be pulled back, and there would be Ian McNabb and acoustic guitar about to do "Love Is a Wonderful Color," you know. And I just wondered if people are still doing those things digitally. Can are they are they preparing a, a, a perfect Zoom show, which you could then show to your other half or whatever. Maybe they that's, have That's Robert Fripp there. It's uh, it's on a site called Celeb uh, VM, Celebrity Video Messages. All oh, right. Uh, yeah, Celeb People can find yeah. it. And, uh, and there's uh, loads of people, and uh, and Robert Fripp is one of them. So you know that it, you would never have uh, had a bet on that. No, you years. wouldn't. Not would, the, you know, not the who do you think? Who do you think will be doing or knocking out the birthday messages? You know, in the oh, no, and he's so kind of personable. <laughs> there he is in his three-piece tweed suit. You know, yes. he's so sincere <laughs> and lovely. But what also, a great man. it kind of goes to show that we're moving from an economy of uh, the space around art into an economy that's based around connection. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Um, yeah. that's, that's the interesting thing. It's, it's Which is, it was probably a good time to bring up that thing that you were, you were um, pointing out to us earlier in the week, which is the new music from is it the Kings of Leon? Killers? Leon. Uh, the Kings of Leon. Okay, yeah. Go oh on. yeah, go on. Now, what's happening there? Yeah, was it? Uh, okay, so the Kings of Leon are releasing a, a new record, um, and they're releasing it um, as what's called a, a non-fungible token, catchy. which is sexy. Yeah. <laughs> It'll Sounds organic. So this is a kind of cryptocurrency, basically, and it's it's kind of like a. Um, I suppose a digital gold bar in, in the sense that, so there are two types of cryptocurrency. There is cryptocurrency obviously is, uh, is digital money effectively. Uh, it has its own value. It fluctuates like the stock markets, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There are two types. There's the fungible type, which is spendable. So, you know, you buy your cryptocurrency and you spend it on something else. 
there is non-fungible, which is which are kind of like gold bars, which kind of retain their value, kind of go oh, up in value, right. value. Um, they, they stay in the world. They stay in the world that they came from. Yeah, they exactly. never transfer into the real world. Okay, right, go on. Um, so what they're doing, they're releasing this new album as a non-fungible token, uh, and it's going to be available for two weeks. Um, it's going to cost $50. And what you will get for that $50 is your non-fungible token, uh, which will consist of a download of the record, um, exclusive moving artwork, whatever that means, uh, and access, access to limited edition vinyl. Um, once that two-week period is up, um, the, the product won't be available anymore outside of the people who have already bought it, uh, who can then choose to sell it off at a price that they, uh, you know... Oh, uh, they, they they choose to let it go at, um, so it's a bit like I suppose um, it becomes a collectible item that can be passed on like rare vinyl, you know, uh, for whatever price the buyer is prepared to pay. It's a tradable collectible essentially, um, and it's uh, yeah, it's 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 a really it's 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 kind of um, there are a few artists which have which have sort of jumped on that bandwagon over recent months. It seems to be gaining some momentum. So Grimes um, has been selling her artwork um, via by crypto and she's made about six million dollars from it um but it's this huge complex computer network basically and it, and it creates this massive carbon footprint so what, what's the name of the so it's done by ethereum uh which is a type of cryptocurrency there are different types of cryptocurrency uh, and apparently ethereum's yearly carbon footprint just to produce these kind of coins and tokens which they have to mine using computer power for Ethereum's yearly carbon footprint is bigger than Argentina's. It's insane. There, 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 there are So each, each, um, each coin, if you like, has to be mined by a complex computer network, and there is apparently a limit to the amount that can be mined based on the power available. You've got miners in Russia that have set up these warehouse-sized rigs that attach to hydroelectric power stations. That's how much juice it takes to run that industry it's it's absolutely insane but um this is yeah. to put out put out a grimes record put out a grimes record or, or, a new, or the new kol masterpiece um yeah but the, the the new kol masterpiece as you as you refer to it will still be available in its traditional forms so you could you could download you could stream it from spotify and you could go probably buy a cd as well i think you can do that as well but this I, is just Oh, I thought from my reading of it, I thought you could. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Know. The oddest thing about this is, is is also that the idea you're being encouraged to buy a record and then make money out of it by selling it on. Don't you think? Yeah. Well, it does seem it's like well, it seems a bit like ticket touting, you know. The, completely. They, you know, it's like you know who gets cup final tickets. Well, you know, the touts will get a certain number of them, and they'll you know pass them Precisely. on for a fortune. Well, what they're also um, doing is that they're they're mining um, a limited. I think it's eighteen golden tickets, um, and they're going to auction six of them, and they're going to vault twelve of them, just like um, just like you would with a rare piece of art from a collection. Um, yeah. And um, so these golden tickets encompass like front row concert seats on any Kings of Leon tour for the rest of your life. Um, backstage access. Um, lounge access, a, a driver, um, a car full of goodies, it, the, the, the whole shebang. Obviously, you know, it's, it's, it's quite significantly more expensive than $50, but um, sort of leveraging kind of the experience you know, aspects of things there as well. But again, it's completely limited edition, available for a limited time only. Um, that was going on already, wasn't it? With those gold circle tickets. You could buy a package, couldn't you? Go and see Rolling Stones or something. You had a $100 ticket or you could buy a, I don't know, Five hundred dollar ticket it was right quite near the front door, or you two thousand pounds. You got a bit, of, bit of smoked salmon and a, a glass of white, and you got to have your photograph taken with Ronnie Wood or whatever. There's various degrees, weren't there? You got to meet the band. Yeah, I think. I, I wonder though if this is taking the value away from the actual album itself. You know, and, and it, must turning... be, it must be. It must be. It's yeah. gotta be. Yeah, yeah. It's gotta be. See, tell me, here's a here's a, something that went through my head in the last week. In the last year, there have been far fewer record releases, presumably. I'm guessing. There must, must have, have been. been. Must have been. Yes? Yeah. Am I right? Yeah, because people would Alex have put them back waiting convinced. for it. Yeah, people uh, would have put must, them back waiting for a time when a better time they, to, they be able to promote them. Is, is this, is, if that was true, mm. which I think it is true, 
Is that a good thing for music, actually, to suddenly reduce the supply? <laughs> because one of the reasons you can't get people excited about it is just so much supply. But you take it away for a while, people start, start to get excited about it. Do you uh, think there's anything in that? I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure there have been drastically less records that have been produced because artists haven't been touring, so they've been writing songs and recording them. But look at the Foo Fighters, for example. You know, they they've just released a massive record because because they haven't had anything else to do. Um, Is and, that selling? I guess it must be. Well, I, it, well, it, it would be not selling. selling. <laughs> streaming. Yeah, that, that's it. Yeah, the paradigm's moved to streaming, hasn't it? And maybe yeah, yeah. this this whole crypto thing is 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 a sort of tacit rebellion against that because oh okay artists yes. aren't you know that at, at time they're not touring yeah. as well. So you know, yeah. um, a hundred thousand streams wouldn't really matter to someone like Kings of Leon before you know, where they had the touring ballast to make up the difference, but they don't yeah. at the moment. No, so so no, I'm presuming no, their managers went, how do we make some decent cash out of this next record with our with our yeah, profit? Yeah breadwinning activity out of the way yeah maybe this is it um so yeah it's um i can't see how it's how, how it's going to have legs for smaller artists it's probably going to create a no it won't be. between grassroots it and... was still but traditionally bank acts don't give a hoot about smaller artists yeah. then they're not smaller artists anymore <laughs> so they don't care that's basically how it works Okay, <laughs> so uh, while we're all talking about general music business themes, who was it this week who said there are no groups anymore and caused great controversy by oh, saying the guy it? from Maroon Five was it? Who are a group? <laughs> they are. <Yes. laughs> but he said in some interview, he said it seems like when we started there were there were loads of groups around, and nowadays there aren't. And uh, as is traditional in this day and age. Various people got out of their prams and got very indignant about this, uh, saying there are loads of groups around. And uh, I think one of the first people to leap to the defence of the group community were, were the members of Garbage, who said, what about us? We're not chip, chop liver, you know. And, uh, and I thought to myself, how long have Garbage been going? The answer is, Mark? Well, I, I can remember... The last great peak being around the end of the ninth, about nineteen ninety-seven, I think. So, okay. <laughs> I don't know, they were so they, what, they were in the so mid-nineties. Yeah. Okay, so they've been around twenty-five years. Oh, so I yeah. don't think that really proves a great deal about no, no. whether there's still any groups nowadays. You know, because I think the point that that guy was making was that the ones coming along nowadays were not bands. I mean, is that the case, Alex? I think so. I think that by and large, people are moving away. Young people are moving away from forming bands and, and creating their own music on their own because they have the but means to do it. Why would they form? <laughs> right now, in the last 18 months, would you have formed a band? And the easiest way to do it is to no, have no. As, as mobile a unit as possible, i.e. probably just you, and bring in whoever yeah. you wanted to help you record. But the point about a band is to go out and perform live, isn't it? You don't need a band. At the moment. And if you think about checking the boxes as well, okay, you form a band to, to, to find your tribe. You know, yeah. You're 15 years old and you want to form a band. It's yeah. We've discussed this before haven't we it's not about the yeah, music yeah. at all it's about you know <laughs> something that's a bit more inherent than that to it's you about as a the person. trousers it's about it's about the trousers yeah. the shoes and the haircut um <laughs> you know finding your tribe so you've got social media for that now everybody's connected uh, to, to people all over the world in a completely yeah, different true. way so that check um the other reason why you'd form a band is is to get your name out there to get your music out there it was the only way yeah. that you could do that by playing in front of people in places that you you, you didn't yeah, live yeah. in um, again, you don't need to do that because the internet's once now, again it, sorted that all fact, out for you. It's in fact, yeah. it's, in, it's in fact the slowest way to get your name out nowadays. Is yeah. form a band, isn't it? You, um, you go on t Twitter, you can get a name, can't you? See, you couldn't, you couldn't play all the instruments. But you, you've got all these digital audio workstations now that are really comprehensive and really good at, you know, giving you the tools you need to be able to create fully fledged productions. That box is checked as well. So people and D, you couldn't afford studio time. Uh, my, uh, Logic, um, for example, costs I think about two hundred quid for the whole program, um, and that box is checked as well. There is no real reason uh, in twenty twenty one to 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 go out and form a band. It's just going to cause you logistical pain, and you know. Completely, I totally agree with you. 
and and, and you'd have to relinquish some of the control of your artistic vision on top of that as well and you know if if you're if it's dear to you why would you want to do that if you've got the option of of cheaply and easily being able to hold on to it so i I think all these things are kind of a perfect storm of factors that are coming together to, to to lead people to to do it on their own because it's easier and they can um, and so you're getting, you know, the Dua Lippers, the, the Grimeses, you know, um, the Lewis Capaldis, you know, um, who are who are, are their own entities, and and yeah, that's yeah. that's becoming the 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 thing. That's um, not saying bands don't exist, um, but it's not the great dream it was, was it? Not no, really. yeah, the best possible thing is solo artists you can then get to appear on the whatever it is the Graham Norton show or whatever the whatever the key promotional opportunities are now. But, I mean, no, band, you wouldn't be in a great rush to put a band together. This is a junction in the Word podcast. It separates that bit from this next bit. All right. Uh, welcome back. Any other business? I'll tell you what, we recorded a Word of Your Attic with, uh, with our old mate Bob Harris uh, the other day. Which, which is, was terribly good, wasn't it? Which is terribly oh good. And, There's uh, a, a very moving bit in it where Bob talks about losing what I guess was must be about ninety percent of his record collection, his vinyl collection, in a garage flood. Yeah, he yeah. lives up near Oxfordshire, and I guess the, I guess the stream broke its banks, and a great tide of mud kind of arrived and washed through his garage a few years ago. And just how mortifying it was to see all these records lost. And we were just thinking of the psychological repercussion of that happening. Well, he's, he, he was dealing with it quite well, actually, to be fair. He was. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, I'll tell you what, I, I was, after that, we had it was such a good chat. And um, I said, it started making me think about uh, artists that I hadn't thought about in a while. And uh, I'm sitting up here, with, I've got all this vinyl here, and I've got loads of CDs here. And I've got so many CDs that I'm in the happy position of forgetting what I've got. Yeah. Okay. Which after a long period, you're probably the same. I don't know. You're the same. And so yeah. I said that. I said that thinking, have I got? I wonder if I've got so and so. And so then I started looking. And uh, yesterday, I sat up here, and I had um, I had the sport on the on on one computer, with the sound off because there's nothing to be gained from the sound on live sport nowadays because you can't hear the crowd. There's Absolutely. no excitement at all. It's the yeah. dullest thing. But you can't, it's there in the background. So I was doing that while, while playing playing music. And I, I that led me to think, have I got a Lonnie Donegan CD? Because Bob was enthusing. We were talking about Chris Barber. And yeah, Lonnie yeah, Donegan. yeah, yeah. And so I got it. I found that I did. I have this, which is, which is got a sticker describing it as, I'd never, I'd never noticed this before, the thinking man's Lonnie Donegan. So it's obviously... This is a compilation of Lonnie Donegan without the corny stuff. You know what I mean? He doesn't have does he chewing gum, losing exactly. slack flavor, anything like that. Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah. and then I found this was the terrible cover. God, wonderful! This is the Drifters double CD of the great of the greatest tunes oh, of the lovely. Drifters because Bob was enthusing about all those things, and I played the whole first CD. There goes my baby, and you know, Mexican divorce, and uh, this magic moment, and all these things. And I was thinking, what a glorious thing that was! This music was not made to be played loud. It's quite soft music. Yeah, you know what I mean, there's no great thumping rhythm section there. And then, on the basis of having talked to Bob and also having talked to David Frick the day before, he which terrific. is already out there, David yeah, Frick was equally, equally good. David Frick, the great American rock writer. He was once again. He's got a. He's got an early copy of "Loves Forever Changes," which I've always said leaves me cold. Well, you'd be pleased to see that yesterday I actually played it, and I quite liked it. It's good. So it's you know, good. No, that's fair yeah, enough. Yeah, Bob. Bob it was a very just... significant moment in Bob's life, wasn't it? When he first met John Peel, and he went round. Yeah. John Peel invited him to come round. John Peel eventually got onto Radio One. He went round there. And John Peel was doing a gig that night with Mark Boland. Mark Boland was sitting there in John Peel's house with an acoustic guitar, playing the songs he was going to play at that gig that evening. And Peel gave yeah. him a copy of "Loves Forever Changes," signed yeah. by him. That's a pretty momentous day, isn't it? I suppose it is. I suppose yeah. it is. Yeah, but it's just—it's just interesting when you get to this stage with your record. You think, "Have I got that?" And you just get—you go looking, and you think, "Oh yes, you have." That's great. And that's a kind of, yeah, yeah. Uh, even though you never—you haven't played it for years, yeah. you know. 
it's still there. You know, I did the same thing with, uh, do you know this record? Lewis Taylor's record. I don't think I do, no. Lewis Taylor, this is just about to be reissued yeah. on, a two, on a double album, because when it originally came out, things hardly ever came out in vinyl. Yeah. And so Lewis Taylor is now the coolest, most hipster, hipsterish name you can possibly drop in English music. Um, and this record did nothing at all. Uh, but it kind of thing that staggered me was that it's got the old promotional sticker on it. So it's got the name of the people from the promotions department at Ireland who put it out. And it came out on the 12th of August, 1996. That is 25 21. years. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely astonishing. Do you know this record, Alex? I don't. This guy. Oh, you should listen to it. It's on Spotify and so forth. It's uh, he was the guy who he's a he's a genius, yeah, a, a, a musical genius. Could could never quite write a hit, but uh, immensely talented, and was and used to play in the Edgar Broughton band. Came from Barnet near me, and and still I think works as kind of musical director for Niles Barkley, and uh, and that that that's regarded as the great undiscovered jewel of nineties popular music. And then he kind of walked away. He wasn't really interested in doing whatever was involved in being a pop star. But I couldn't get over the fact that it's 25 years ago. And What's thought, the name of the album oh, again? It's just called Lewis Taylor. Lewis Taylor. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, you look at the cover and you think, it wasn't helped by the fact that the cover looked like that, you know. But uh, in those days, CDs, nobody gave, gave a hoot about what, what things looked like at the front. But 25 oh, years no. later, it's like, like the point about garbage i can't get yeah. over it you know it's the length of uh, the length of people's memory nowadays for this stuff is far greater than it ever used to be in the past i still can't anyway. re reconcile the fact that the strokes aren't a new band anymore it, it, <laughs> <laughs> is this it was released 20 years ago 2001 and uh, and I, I i still i still feel like and also, like, the trouble with Strokes, do you think, a bit like the Beastie Boys, there are people who are, who are sort of only kind of work as a young concept somehow. The yeah. Strokes, threatening, dangerous, disruptive. The idea that the Strokes are kind of moving into middle age doesn't quite work, really. I mean, lots of other bands have obviously managed it very successfully, but it didn't seem to sort of sit with what the Strokes are fundamentally about. No, yeah. no, it doesn't doesn't quite wash, does it? You know, they're a bit, a bit paunchy around the edges now. Beastie well. Boys is a classic example of that. Not that they're really still going, but the Beastie Boys, there was never a group more archetypally kind of two fingers, wasn't it? My Frat first party. Game Beastie Boys. Oh, my Lord, that's brilliant. Beastie Boys, uh, Bentley Rhythm Ace and Jungle Brothers in the round oh, tour, great. Birmingham NEC. It was great. We've got the, the six formers were there and they got they bought a cider. It was a, it was a fantastic night. Um <laughs> Yeah. So you weren't in the sixth form at that point. No, it was definitely pre-sixth form. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, by quite a bit. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, we were looked after. <laughs> it was a great, great night, great gig. Talking of first gigs, we ought to plug that again. That David Frick uh, podcast because his first gig wasn't it? A brilliant story, David. In 1968, oh, four groups on the bill. There was the Who. There was the I was Procol Harum, there was the Trogs, and there was the Pink Floyd. Pretty amazing building stuff. Procol Harum didn't turn up because I can't remember. They just they, they there was some kind of industrial dispute dispute or the gear wasn't allowed through. Yeah. Trogs didn't turn up because they just didn't turn up because they were the Trogs. Pink Floyd went on play. This is with Dave, first tour with David Gilmore in the band. Played for forty five minutes, and then somebody got electrocuted on stage. Not a member of the Pink Floyd, and the Who weren't allowed to play. So that was for one dollar. That was his first gig, and he went with his dad, who sat very sweetly three three rows behind him, so as not to embarrass him. And he was sufficiently entranced by this incredible level of drama and chaos to uh, embark on an entire life, basically writing about rock music. It's a lovely yeah. story, wasn't it? Yeah. It's really good. Yeah, so if you haven't caught up with that, that's David Frick. Yeah. Uh, You'll find it on the, um, well, on youtube.com slash word in your ear. Yeah. And, uh, and obviously, if you're a Patreon supporter, you would have been able to get full access to that early and, and in. And there are some more, some new Patreon supporters. Uh, magic, aren't there? Oh, indeed. This Come on, week, we... give us the give us the, the Hall of Fame. Oh, give us their names. Well, welcoming aboard John Sills. Hurrah! John Sills, hooray! Claire Smith. Very Claire good. Smith. Trisha McNair. Terrific, Trisha. That's two, two women, two women in a row. Good grief! 
They get a special award. <laughs> Patrick Butler. There we go. Good from him. Two annual patrons. If you subscribe annually, of course, you get a 15% discount. There's Joseph yeah. Hamilton and Hello, Joseph. Graham Robert Clark. Very good. Um, you also get a uh, birthday visit from us. Yep. Which is we a lot of fun down, to do. We've been we doing shin some work down work. your digital drain pipe and we go through and your possession. Rummage through your album collection. And thoroughly uh, enjoy it. There must have been some some new yeah, so we we did our we did one the other day with a Patreon supporter who where the rest of us all look out of our windows and we see our back gardens in various various unpromising suburban locations in the UK. This guy looks out, what does he see? Brooklyn he Bridge. sees the Brooklyn Bridge. In His glorious sunshine, window. wasn't it? Wasn't it amazing? <laughs> oh, my God. I wouldn't be able to get anything done. I'd just sit and look out the window all day. Be... So when this bloody war is over, we're all going over there. We're, We're just going to stay with it. His front door. We're going to crash at his pad yeah, yeah. and lower his scene. <laughs> uh, if you want to join this merry throng, patreon.com slash word in your ear where you can find out uh, how you can get involved. And uh, all the very best. This podcast was brought to you by The Word. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.